0: What's up guys welcome back to another episode of the anglers happy hour podcast in today's show we talk about night fishing for bass chasing rooster fish on the beach and what a Mexico travel day with three kids looks like stick around and hope you guys enjoy the show but before we go any further I want to tell you guys that this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Hercules tires the official tire of the anglers happy hour podcast. I've personally trusted the Hercules TerraTrack AT2 and Power ST2 to get my truck and boat trailer to every event around the country safely for the past two years. These tires are long lasting, quiet on the road, and most importantly, incredibly reliable. If you're in the market for a new set of truck or trailer tires, head over to HerculesTires.com and see why these tires are such an incredible value. You can also find out more by following Hercules Tires on Facebook or Instagram at Hercules Tires. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. We are coming at you. It's the day before Memorial Day. So first off, let me just say happy Memorial Day to everybody out there. Thanks so much to those who have served and are are currently serving. It's definitely a special day for our country. And, uh, you know, hopefully everyone's had a great weekend. It's been you know, in my in my realm, it's been a great weekend. I've been just kind of chilling with the family and catching up with stuff, doing some just what you're supposed to be doing, some grilling and stuff like that. And we'll get into a little bit more uh, of my weekend in a little bit, but let's go around
1: and talk to the guys first. Nick, what what's up with you this weekend, man? Hey, man. Good morning and happy Memorial Day to you as well. Uh, it's been a good week over at the Casa Day McMurray. Um, it was not a good week because I didn't go fishing. So I'm going to back up and alter that and say it was a slightly above average week. Um, you know, we're, we're getting ready for the uh, world tour over here. So it's kind of like what I envisioned the 18, the early 1800 Conestoga wagon parties as they like headed West from Missouri with all they owned in hopes of like finding gold in California. That's what taking three small kids to Mexico, for a whole month is looking like. Dude, how
0: much stuff are you packing and what does that travel day look like?
1: Um, Well, fortunately, I'm married to like the single greatest, most prepared packer in the history of packing. And so we have a backup for the backup to everything. Which is not you. Correct. (laughs) I mean, that's the absolute opposite of Nick. Bro, I'm like Bear Grylls. If you give me some like parachute cord, and a rain jacket and two granola bars. I could probably make it in like Fiji for years, you know. I'd be like eating, you know, native birds raw, but uh, a lot is the fast answer to that question a whole lot. So, you know, I, I had an ace in the hole because the only thing I need to worry about is my fishing stuff. Somehow, in my master negotiating skills, I've negotiated two fishing trips out of this. Now, room. yeah, I've got two. I've got the big back going to back rack in the middle towards the end of June. And I finessed in a saltwater trip to the luxurious state of Guerrero, Mexico. Um, so if I don't have two replicas of a rooster fish and a 12 pound largemouth by the end of June, I'm going to hang up the mic and you know start a remote controlled cars podcast or something because it should be pretty exceptional.
0: That's That's some epic fishing setup that's unbelievable i can't believe what's, it's
1: epic i feel like a youtuber dude 100 uh, percent, bro yeah
0: yeah um but no that's that's amazing like like two complete like bucket list unbelievable trips all in one month
2: what's the name of your uh remote control car podcast gonna be
1: uh good question i was thinking um I'm just going off the cuff here and I uh, got nothing. <laughs> I'm so just... <laughs> I'm thinking dot, dot, dot will be the name of that remote podcast. All right. Hey,
2: I don't dude, know where you just... come up with that kind of stuff.
1: Well, there's a huge amount of feces in my body. I have brown eyes. So it tells you nice. how it runs. But nice. to, so I'm trying to figure out how to pack, like, you know, because I'm going to try and catch the rooster fish on a fly rod. And so fly fishermen are like the biggest prima donna losers in the fishing community. And I say that with deep love and respect as one who is kind of by curious with that. But so I have two fly rods, and then all the requisite crap that goes along with that. And then I expected I was hoping I could just kind of like, send my bass gear with a one of my fellow Mexican bass fishing homies, but uh, his plans have changed now. So now I have to figure out how to carry all my bass fishing gear. So I'm only worried about like the three suitcases of fishing gear that I have to bring but we'll see, man. I think we're up to like five suitcases and three kids under the age of eight and a half. And
0: yeah, it should be, should be an adventure. Are you going to rent a car when you get there?
1: <laughs> yeah. Picture that. We're renting a van. So I'm going to be Manejando as the locals say, I'm going to be driving my family around to the third largest city in Mexico in a van. Dude, Mexico is home to like, um, roundabout intersections with five lanes, that's going to be my specialty when I'm done. I'm just going to like merge across five lanes in an intersect, a roundabout intersection in Mexico with a sombrero. How
0: they drive crazy down there, bro. Just got to be aggressive, you know?
1: Yeah, you do to stay alive. Try it's like some- F1. <laughs> Dude, that's why I've been watching F1 is so that I'll be <laughs> ready for the five lane <laughs> roundabouts in Mexico.
2: <laughs> Get some driving tips from the. That's hilarious. They're
1: gonna be they're gonna be calling me Nikki Andretti by the time I'm done. The second F1 driver from America. So
0: funny,
2: Nick. You talking about fly fishing? So I've my life is so lame. I I watch a ton of YouTube, and I've been watching a, a, a YouTube channel called Jensen Fly Fishing, Ooh. and forever I've followed them on Instagram. And these people, it's a husband and wife from I believe Alberta, Canada. It's some of the their videography is just it's unbelievable how good they are at capturing rising fish Uh, uh, showing the fish on the video talking about them and then catching them on a dry fly it's like it's phenomenal they're
1: like i haven't yet seen any content in the bass fishing world which i'm sure it's out there somewhere i just haven't found it but fly fishermen are like first artists and then second like extremely talented fishermen and you're right dude like the world's full of amazing written and video fly fishing stuff. Like I'll have to check that out, dude.
2: Yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, interesting to watch. And w- one thing that was funny that the guy was talking about how, uh, when we used to guide people, we did this. And then in big letters across the screen, it says, we do not guide anymore. Cause <laughs> I guarantee people are just hitting them up constantly. Cause interesting,
0: some
2: are they wildly body. popular? I would imagine I haven't even seen how many followers they have, but they have to be because, yeah, they're just it's just quality, quality content. If you're into fly fishing or trout at all, you know, you don't do so. and
1: like of course I say it tongue in cheek. Like I I love fly fish or fly fisher men and women, and I like to fly fish. It's just fun to poke fun, but uh, yeah, it uh, I don't know, it, it's cool and there's awesome content in the world. I talk about that Drake magazine all the time. That magazine is amazing. If you like fishing, like you can you can enjoy it. Like it might not be your first cup of tea to do, but it's, it's tight. I I mean, I'm,
2: I'm guilty of enjoying every, every little bit of fishing. I mean, if I, if I were somewhere and someone was catching bluegills on a night crawler, I would, jump in with a bobber and enjoy the crap out of it dude, or dude. you know saltwater fish on a big heavy rod would be just as fun too
1: but well, sometime check out i don't know if you've ever kind of seen how the the rooster fishing setup goes but it's funny like i didn't realize we're going to like one of the like uh premier areas for that and i happen to line it up in the crosshairs you're Audio back you're or, back you we lost that? you oh, for a second good. We're, we're good cool but uh, it's one of like the best places in the best month of the year to do it, and it's cool to check it out. Like basically, they just tease them to the top, and then you're you're fishing top water for a fish that can get upwards of sixty pounds, and they're very angry and mean, and uh, it's pretty amazing. sometimes I wonder why I don't live there and do that. But Are you have the
2: fly equipment, fly yes rod? Equi-
1: yes, to what? both um i i have the fly equipment because there's a lot of like parallels to other stuff i've done so i just had to like buy some flies and get a new line for one of my reels and uh dude josh you can do it from the beach there which is pretty amazing and i'm gonna attempt that and be completely unsuccessful i'm sure but i did book a guide for one of the days too nice
0: so. you should drop uh brent a uh, a message dude and see if he's got any uh any tips or thoughts on that dude from the beach
1: Yeah. Will you remind me his uh, handle and everything and I'll reach out.
0: Have you, have you tried it from the beach before?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. (laughs) Extremely unsuccessfully one time, um, which that's probably not a funny enough story to justify how long it would tell, take to tell. But yeah, I was unsuccessful and I went to a lodge and they fed me cheese stuffs, chili rellenos and cheesecake, and I didn't make it more than a day because I was too big of a wimp to eat cheese and I still don't like cheese. So I Dang, gave sounds up. So good. Yeah, I know. Right. Like Everyone else would be like, that's stupid, but I have been unsuccessful. I've been successful from a boat, but nice. I, it definitely, but dude, my brother found a, a VRBO, but we're pretty, we're far south. We're like on the Pacific coast side of Mexico, where we're going. But like, it's, it's good all the way up. But like where it's really happening is on the Baja Peninsula, and then just up a little bit and on the Sea Cortez side. And like, talk about another way you could lose three hours of your life on YouTube is like videos of those dudes catching them from the beach. Like it's, it's very challenging. And like, somehow, even though they're big, mean, saltwater fish that probably haven't really seen a lot of fishing pressure in their life, they are so smart, dude. Like they will get huh. so their defining fe- feature is the their dorsal fin looks like the comb on a rooster like the bird. And uh, that thing it has like four individual little like strands before the dorsal fin continues. And when that thing goes up, that's when it's like murder time and they are like murderous when they eat. And so these things, and they're pelagic, you know, saltwater fish. So they light up like billfish and stuff. Have you ever seen like Dorado? They light up. They turn like neon colors when they're ready to kill something. So these fish are like neon filmed and they're zigzagging and they're just doing their thing and they zoom right up to the fly. And then they just, they go dull and they swim away. (laughs) How
0: frustrating would
1: that be? Dude, you're running in like huge waves or smashing you in the face and you're trying to cast and it's just like chaos. And then it just, like, gives you the middle finger and swims away. and it's wow. like, "Yeah, You suck. <laughs> so catching one from the beach is an accomplishment. And there are guys that hook on to, like, 30, 40, 50-pound fish on a fly rod, standing on the beach. You have to have over at least 300 yards of backing on your reel because they just swim to South America, and then you just hope you can reel them back in. Wow. <laughs> so it's pretty tight. How That's cool. So I will – I will come back with glorious stories of how I caught nothing and I'll make lots of excuses about like barometric pressure, cold fronts, hangovers, and all the reasons why I didn't catch them. But the stakes are high. That's Beautiful. Awesome. We can't wait. Sounds I, we exciting. We cannot wait.
2: What's the, what's the month that is hot down there? Is it July?
1: Like is hot that- weather-wise? No,
2: for the rooster fish. What is, yeah. is that? when it's June, supposed to be good
1: June, July and August. Yeah, where okay. I'm going. Um it's earlier. You know, they're they're migratory. Dude, that's what's so crazy about saltwater animals. And I guess, you know, you can look at like, you know, animals on land too having wild migrations, but those fish migrate, dude. They go all the way down into South America, and then they swim all the way up to Sea of Cortez and back down. And so it just depends on where you go, depends on when it's the right time of year for it. But like that that Pacific coast of Mexico is, is late summer, which is the rainy season in air quotes. And sadly, Mexico is having a wicked drought, Gosh! but typically when it's like jungly, like 90 degrees with a hundred percent humidity, you know, like swamp ASS conditions. And, uh, so we'll see. Cool. Nice.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, dude. We can't wait to hear about it. And hopefully that travel goes as smooth as possible. But yeah, once you're down there, you're down there and you've got a lot to look forward to. And uh, Nick claims folks that he's going to find Wi Fi down there and continue to do the podcast. So we'll I mean, hey, if we if we miss a week, I told him or whatever, it's it's totally understandable. Nick's not going anywhere overall, uh, unless he gets kidnapped, but uh, he's <laughs> going to try to make it happen. So Uh, We have that to look forward to also. Yeah,
1: thanks, Doug. I think thanks to Bill and Melinda Gates. I think there's Wi-Fi in every corner of the earth now because they're such generous philanthropists. So we should be good. But if any of our beloved listeners receive an index finger or a piece of my ear, like I'm good for the ransom. Please just send back whatever they need and uh, and I'll Venmo you when I get home what, what I owe you.
2: Just bring your computer so you can get on the pod after they have kidnapped you because that would be ultra interesting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Dude, is it? Yeah, I was going to say it's Breaking Bad, but I know there's a classic show where that's like an episode, but I don't think it's Breaking Bad. But yeah, maybe I can reenact that in real life.
0: Nice. I think the listeners are some of the people that would probably pay the most for you,
1: dude. Hey, hey, they they see it. They know. (laughs) Dude, people are like, wait, you're going to fly into Los Mochis, Sinaloa? And just like think that that guy's just gonna pick you up and then drive you to Baccarat. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, hmm, cool. Well, good luck. <laughs> I'm like, oh ye, with little faith. Come on now. I love it. I love it.
0: Uh, and uh, Rob, what uh, what's up your way, man?
2: Dude, I got nothing compared to that. Back
1: that, that up,
0: bro. I can't. Yeah, that's right. yeah, that's I mean, like dang, that's like weighing in it behind swindle. Yeah. I hated Whoa. that crap, dude. Oh, I- he would get up there and just get the crowd all fired up and they'd be going nuts. And they'd be like, tell me about your day, Josh. And I was like, uh.
2: <laughs> yeah, not only easy. am I weighing in behind him, I got one bass. So.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <I> <laughs> well, if, Josh- yeah, just the same thing. Someone drops 28 pounds on the scale and you
1: got nine. you You're like, Josh, yeah. That's when you needed a maple syrup story. Like that's when you should be like, bro, I made some blueberry pancakes and I put some of that what's the uh, maple syrup anderson's company? anderson's maple syrup on that wooey <laughs>
0: yeah i got just throw and start throwing in the shameless plugs <laughs> josh let's just
2: jump into let's 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 hear about your tournament your last yeah. tournament day yeah let's do it let's let's go
0: there. that's cool so we, we talked mid tournament last week we talked on whatever day that was i think sunday i think monday morning very early and um I was, I had just made the knockout round. I had had a, you know, a slightly below average first day and then a really good second day. So I had made the knockout round and I was telling you guys and, and the listeners, like how much I was really relying on that one grass bed that had been really good to me the day before. Uh, the weird thing about the major league fishing deal on the Bass Pro Tour is with the off days, you've got tournament guys on the water when you're off the water so you have no idea if someone's fishing your spot if they're tearing it up if they're going to be there the next day if no one's on it you know it's a weird x factor and the the tournament goes six days so like one spot never lasts and we saw it with brett right like we saw it with brett height one kind of crazy thing that was going on was brett had like 82 pounds the first day he was leading the tournament had the day of the tournament and it was like a a a sweet spot in offshore hydrilla throwing a vibrating jig it was just classic brett and it, it you know from the outside looking in you're just thinking like there's no way that brett's gonna be stopped right but little did brett know that there was gerald sporer our buddy in the other group is fishing brett's exact spot and 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 totally rightfully so on both ends they both found it on their own in practice but brett catches that monster bag and like secures his place in the championship and there's gerald the next two days just pounding those fish you know and he gets (laughs) he gets in the championship also so they both on the final day show up to the exact same spot right and, and I was, like, wondering if that was going to happen. And I was seeing it happen because I was on the water, almost you know, every day throughout that when Brad had already made the championship. But I'm wondering on my off day when we were talking, is someone going to be on, on that place that I had found yesterday? Is it going to get beat up? I intentionally completely just, I, like I said, I torched those fish because I wanted to make sure that I had an early enough boat number to get there first in case there were other guys. You know, I wanted to get the earliest number possible by placing as high as possible to get there. And so we go through the whole thing, we go through the lock and sure enough, um, I'm the first guy there. So I was pumped up about that and I start fishing. This is the knockout round. We're trying to make the finals here. I start fishing, nothing. and and, and you know how you guys know it like uh you know at five minutes into the day what sometimes not always but like when you really are relying on a spot and you know how good it can be and should be and you fish for five minutes and make one full pass it's like not good. And you're just trying to be positive about it. And I'm telling my boat official, yeah, you know, it might take a few minutes to get them firing and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's a timing thing and pressure. another hour, <laughs> <laughs> nothing. I'm like, well, dang, dude, I'm being realistic about it at this point. I'm like, well, I cannot leave the first period. I need to be patient and fisher the whole first period. Um, but it's not going to happen here. So I need to start thinking about what I'm going to do beyond this. And sure enough, man, I fished the whole first period. I catch one scoreable there. I'm in like 33rd place already. And I need to be in the top eight to move on. And I think I'm like, I don't know, eight pounds back of that already, nine pounds back of that already. So literally I had to go looking again. You know, I had to go looking for new stuff. And I did find, um, I had found some, What's what's kind of interesting is when you, on a, on a grass lake like that, when you find really, really good grass, grass that's green and healthy and has the bait, it, the fish are going to get there eventually. And I actually went to a couple places where I had found that nice grass in practice or early in the tournament and never caught anything and just went back to it. Because I I felt like the odds of of that were better than going completely from scratch. And luckily, one of those places was had fish on it. You know the fish had finally got there. It's like their summering place, and every day a few more fish get get there. A few more fish get there, a few few more fish get get there, and we're five days after I found it with no fish, and now there are fish there. And I ended up catching enough to actually have a have a decent day. I at one point was in twelfth, and they brought a camera to me because it looked like I had some momentum and I had a chance to make it. And I kind of hit a wall in the last hour, but I caught like twenty one pounds over there and it just it salvaged a bunch of points and was a decent it was a it was a, it made it a good tournament for me i finished 18th in my group that day so um overall it was just it ended up being a good tournament but almost that last day almost really sucked man so i was i was thankful to to go over there and find some fish and i was one big bite away from making the finals but um go ahead
1: nick so remind me and i i feel like we talked about this a little bit last week so those fish are are just now like heading out to summer grounds right like they've spawned they've done kind of like a post-spawn thing probably and now that's going to become a summertime pattern from here on out right
0: yeah so that's their ultimate summering place in those in those offshore, grass. Lakes down there is offshore grass down there's offshore grass you might find some in offshore brush and stuff but typically that nice that outside hydrilla the uh-huh. deepest healthiest hydrilla is where a lot of those fish will live. I mean, it's such good cover for them
1: throughout the summertime. Yep. And then so like, sorry, Rob, I'm just gonna talk over you again. So then the um, like the whole, like you talk about finding a great looking spot with healthy grass that they're not there. So those bass, are they mostly bluegill eaters? What are they eating?
0: There are some bluegill for sure. And that's a good question. Is like, there a like, shad it, species too? Yeah, no the dude, there are threadfin and gizzard shad okay. and that's a huge factor. And that was the biggest thing. Like, and, and if you were watching, you saw reaction baits, they were the king. Uh-huh. Um, same here. Like, but it's just crazy to think Florida in the summertime, the first time I went to Florida in the summer, I thought I'd be dragging a worm. That uh-huh. was last, last June at Toho. And I got my butt kicked by guys cranking and stuff like that. So this time around, I threw all shad imitation stuff and I okay. fished it really fast. Like once you get that water temp starts to get over like 78, 80 degrees, and this is kind of countrywide, you cannot fish your crankbait too fast. Like it's uh-huh. shocking how fast you can crank your crank bait and, and catch <laughs> fish. And the faster you go, the, the more better. fish you catch. And uh-huh. dude, like it was funny. Like I was burning, I was throwing a lipless crankbait and a shallow in a crankbait. I was burning that thing so fast and it was so calm. And, uh, my boat official, I had had, had a, a, a kind of a dry spell for a little bit. My boat officials like, man, you're really sticking to that crankbait, huh? Like you could tell he was like, kind of like, maybe you should do something else. Like he's not, he can't say that obviously, but he just, he made that comment. You really stick to the drop
1: Bertrand. I'm
0: surprised
2: he even commented on it. I dude, think- I, it
0: wasn't like in a bad way at all. No, like, it,
2: but still, it makes it's it's mind-boggling that he would even throw that into your head. That's kind of wild. He,
0: he, I hear you. I I it was actually, you know what? It was the, the cameraman, not even the boat official. I gotcha. I, I want to clarify that in case anyone listens that actually it was the cameraman that said it. Actually, yeah. And And uh, maybe he was trying to get me to talk for the show. You know what I gotcha. mean? So that's that's yeah. a possibility. Yeah. yeah. But dude, like after that two, three plus pounders had, had choked it down to their gills. Like, nice. and it's amazing when you're fishing a bait that fast a fish can get it that deep, uh, but it's a pure reaction strike. And, um, you cannot fish it too fast. It's, it's, it's shocking. And that's countrywide. Like where we're going next week to Chickamauga, it's going to be kind of early summer ledge fishing. Same thing. Like you're using like a not the slowest speed reel, like an in-between speed reel, like a, probably a, I'll use like a six, four to one reel and just be burning that crankbait
2: six, four to one in between. That makes me laugh.
0: That was hot. That was a rocket
1: back in the day. Oh, I mean.
2: that was as fast as it got back when I was fishing. <laughs> That's <tournaments>.
1: hilarious. <laughs> that was also Rob's era when like 200 horsepower is what a new Corvette came out with. Yeah. Everything's yeah. faster, bro. <laughs> I guess so. Rob, do you remember your question? I talked, uh, no, like just, I was going to
2: make a comment from the outside looking in watching live. Um, it really seemed like those fish were, were really timing based, like, uh-huh. like the Griffin fish, the, the guys that were fishing the grass out in Lake, Lake Griffin, right? Yeah, Josh? yeah. Um, it seemed like those fish fired later in the day. And it seemed like every day it seemed like it was later and later, which, you know, probably had something to do with the moon or stuff that we don't understand. Was I was right? going to say like, what the yeah. hell
1: dude? you talk about? Like alchemy of bass fishing when you have like offshore grass, fish that turn on in the middle of the hot part of the day and then turn, I was like, dude, what?
0: Yeah. And then it's you crazy have-
1: Because you go to
0: your, you go to a place that's loaded and you, and you don't catch them, dude. And you yeah. watched it a bunch where guys would literally, yeah. and hey, this spot I'm talking about, that was, I fished it that afternoon. Like I go there at the beginning of the second period, don't catch anything. I make, I, I cycle through these spots. I go through there again and I catch one and I cycle through a couple more spots. And finally the beginning of the third period comes, it's my third time through this stretch. And I catch like five in a row, dude. And it was like, man, I love it. um, So random. It's, it's amazing. But, but, but I think Rob's got a really good point about the moon. It was a bright full moon. They were eating all night. And, um, there's just a lot of factors. Yeah. Like,
2: like Ott and those guys that were fishing in Harris, they were fishing super shallow in the morning and absolutely wrecking them. And they just kind of followed those fish out a little, you know, to the ends of the grass or the outside of that. I mean, I'm not very versed on, on Florida. Is that Kissimmee grass that they were yes, fishing? Yeah, exactly. And um, it was just interesting to watch the progression. And obviously we talk about this all the time, but how easy it looks watching it, right? You're like, <laughs> well, well, I'd just start up shallow and then work my way, you know, but yeah. it's not that simple, <laughs> but it, when you're actually doing it but when you're watching it it was pretty cool to see that progression and how how Dude, it laid out the and winner always makes it look yeah. easy don't oh they? for
1: sure you're like oh okay yeah i totally got that yeah yeah i'm mean, watching I, you're
0: watching the guys that found tournament winning patterns you know right. when you get to the top 10 you know whatever yeah. guys have cameras on them at the end and uh and you're right like it it does look easy and it you know it sometimes it is that is fishing but but to, find, to find that and time it they, right they naturally it, is is quite challenging man.
2: It's funny how we talk about how how all this information is out there for new anglers or guys starting to tournament fish and I would imagine there's some really really disappointed folks when they actually get out it <laughs> there and do it just because of the fact that it looks it's they make it look so easy you know and it yeah. just it's you still have to figure out how to catch fish on your own and um, I don't know just a something i thought i'd say it's kind
1: of like redeeming right because there are moments where you can be like you know this new era sucks there's no secrets like it's too easy in my day we had slower reels than these kids have today (laughs) and then you see people struggle and you're like good (laughs) struggle is good for you (laughs) that's hilarious it's like watching
0: bill dance man yeah. Back in the day,
1: you know, he, he made it look so easy. Dude, I was like, it was like mourning the loss of a dear friend when we, when I realized he was fishing like private stocked ponds. It's like, oh, you know, like those good vintage episodes where he's just like whacking him, sitting All down, drinking yeah, he's catching
2: five pounders on on rods like three actions too light so when you set the hook the tip touches the butt it was great oh yeah
0: yeah that his dude his pet i mean he's the man we we, it's all love for bill dance yes for sure he set the hook in his in his pedestal seat and it would like (laughs) flex back yeah and uh and hey dude my other favorite movie had was when he would be letting the fish go they were such big fat Porker fish he would literally like tap their bellies and stuff and like you, you know what I'm talking about <laughs> uh, and you would literally hear it like slap 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 like he would like literally like he was like tapping like his own gut you know what I mean it was yeah. unbelievable how, Josh, how big
1: those fish are you've definitely met him a couple of times and I, I imagine like is he he anyone who's willing to film like such a huge amount of bloopers and just stuff that would like most narcissists would throw that in the trash and like it never existed. Does he like back it up with his personality of just being like a cool dude? I would imagine he does.
0: In all the experiences I've had, you know, which is, which is like absolutely just on the surface. Right. But I've I've only heard the best about, about him, but yeah, that whole crew dude, like there's a tie bass pros kind of tied to Roland Martin, Jimmy Houston, Bill dance, uh, so those three together, it is the most unbelievable thing you've ever seen. It is hilarious. And they love, like for big events, they love to get those three together and just let them tell stories. Yeah, and do it, yeah, Johnny Morris and they'll start Jimmy Houston. Basically what happens is Jimmy Houston just roasts all the other guys and tells <laughs> embarrassing stories <laughs> about, you know, just and doing silly stuff, right? So like, that's what, that it's amazing. They'll, they'll give those four mike and jimmy roos houston will just start roasting them and, and they'll just be
1: dying laughing it's so funny
0: <laughs> who's the like
1: patriarchs of bass fishing i love it yes
2: Who, who's that three-man crew in 30 years from now
1: yeah good question that's
0: a good that's a, a great question dude i don't know if anyone's got personalities like those guys right i mean those yeah, guys are I, unbelievable
2: i think there's just so many different guys now that it'll it I have a hard time believing that you'll you'll funnel it down to three guys like that. Good point.
0: They were the only guys. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: they they punched through, right? That was the good old era of like the Nashville network on Saturday morning, VHS tapes. You know, that was, that was a different time. (laughs) Think of
2: like Bob Cobb's voice and like, you just get excited. (laughs) Dude, the hair on the back of your neck. Now you watch them, you're like, man, that was terrible but it was, it was
0: thoroughly entertaining to us. You sure. know? Movies You're, are the same way. I mean, dude, yeah. if you watched the worst movie right now, back then, you'd be like, Oh my God. You know, can you, can you imagine? Yeah. Right. And, and same way, the other way, what, what yeah. doesn't go away in old movies for me is the comedy, dude. Like there are yeah. s- old movies are funnier comedy movies than new movies are like the sense of humor was just as good, if not better back then. And there were no restrictions on it, on it.
1: Funny is funny, right?
0: Totally. Yeah. An old action movie, like you watch that and you're just like, good God, this is horrendous.
1: (laughs) Dude, I love it. That's good. Well, congrats on a good tournament, man. Florida is, uh, for people in the Southeast, they're like, well, Florida fishing is fishing and they're great at it. But for people that don't live in Florida, specifically like more towards the West, that seems like a challenging, confusing menagerie of fishing. So nice job.
0: Hey, thanks. Yeah, it's it was all good. Nothing, nothing amazing, but it was a, it was a solid week. And uh, dude,
1: slump buster. Congrats. Yeah, it on was that. A, it
0: was a slump buster for me, so I'm thankful for that. And um, yeah, we're going to Chickamauga next week, so we'll try to keep it keep it going. It'll be similar fishing down there as far as like a lot of offshore and you know cranking, maybe some drop shot and stuff like that. So we'll keep everyone up to, up to date on how that's going. But um, to keep things moving along. We've, ha- we've got one question from a listener this week. It is, when do you know it's time to start fishing deeper in the summer? Is there a water temp or what other cues are you looking for when it's time to go offshore?
1: That's a great question. Thanks to whoever sent that. It in. is,
0: yep, yep, appreciate that. And uh, yeah, as always, keep those questions coming. Do you want to start with this one, Rob?
2: Uh, of course he does. Yeah, I'm just thinking that's, I wish I'd have known the question, but it's... um,
1: It's more fun when you don't.
2: Yeah, I guess it is more fun when you don't. I I guess uh, when you're on the water a lot and you just go through the progression, you kind of know what's going on. You kind of know when the shad spawn's going on. And and you're going to start looking out deep really soon after the shad spawn or even when the shad spawn's going on. Um, there's going to be a fair amount of fish that make that move. Um, in general, I think a lot of times the bigger fish come up early and spawn so they're going to be the early ones outside too. Um, and what I mean by outside is out on the you know deeper structure. so um, I think they make a progression from the bank um, to shallow offshore structure and then the they go. Yeah. The in-between stuff. And that can be some of the most fun when you're, I mean, I I know in the Southeast that that type of stuff is probably five to 10 foot deep and out in Arizona, it could be that 10 to 15 foot stuff, you know, just our our stuff's just a little bit deeper out here in a lot of cases. But um, as far as timing goes, I mean, man, I'm when I tournament fished and even when I, guiding, I always want to be the first one. I want to be ahead of the fish. And when you listen, you watch these tournaments, the tournament stuff on, on TV. I mean, guys talk about being ahead of the fish. Like when you have fish coming to, you're always in a good position. Um, so man, I'd spend a lot of time just out searching for them, graphing for them, fishing for them. Um, and you know, man, you land on them when they first get there, they're easy to catch. Uh, you get a big school, you can catch the crap out of them. So, um, exact timing. I don't, I I can't exactly say other than just, uh, um, you know, starts warming up. I don't know exact water temps or anything like that, but, um, hopefully that helps. I don't, that's great. I know. I know. I don't have an exact on any of it, but one thing that, you know, I'll take Roosevelt for example. Um, Late April, early May, you got a shad spawn going. Uh, you catch them on the bank first thing in the morning. And by afternoon, you're still throwing your topwater or you're throwing a jerkbait, but you're on that, that shallow offshore points, you know. And as soon as that goes down within a week or so, you're going to be catching them out deeper, all, you know, first thing in the morning, too. So.
0: That's great, Rob. That That's really good insight. And I love how you talk about that mid depth stuff because that stuff that gets totally overlooked and it is not like a instant, you know, fish in the bank to 25 feet to 20 right. feet that, that mid depth stuff, it's harder to find. And and the reason it's harder to find is you can't graph fish on it a lot of times because they're just too shallow to graph without spooking them. And, and you won't see them if you graph in eight feet of water anyways, but, um, so you find that stuff by fishing and visualizing okay where would those fish go here's the spawning bay here's the spawning pocket where's the next flat point or where's the saddle between an island and a point where's um that the, a shallow you know uh any type any type of bottom structure that's that's in that in between depth zone um it's huge and go ahead rob
2: yeah i've got an interesting story. This has happened multiple times at Roosevelt um, this time of year when those fish first get out you know in that that fifteen to twenty foot zone multiple times i've been up there and you 'll catch a quality fish i mean a quality fish at roosevelt's a three pounder I guess but you'll catch a three pounder and you'll have the entire school follow it back to the boat. Mm. And it just seems like it's when they first get out there, maybe they're chasing a little bit more, no. but it's, it's like, it's the worst thing that could possibly happen because you bring that whole school yeah. off that point. Pull them off. Now you don't catch them. You got to like, you got yeah, to go see. to the next point, yeah. let them settle back down and come back to them. So I, yeah. I don't know why I just thought of that other than it's just this time of year that happens. It's
0: cool. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's cool, cool to too see it. It gives you confidence. You're on a good spot and you're, Hey, when you see that, you are doing the right thing.
2: <laughs> yeah, you are for sure. For sure. So for sure.
0: Um, But yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm the same way, man. It's it, there's not like a definite water temp. there. Are, like there are water t- temps that'll that will help you. Right. Like when you see 80. OK, you know, you're like, OK, we're deep into this thing. When you yeah. see 72, it's like there's still going to be a lot of fish up Everywhere. shallow, uh, you know, and, and every day just that that percentage of fish, you know, it starts out 75% of the fish on the bank and then 12 and a half and 12 and a half out in between in the deep. And then that percentage just sways. And then by, by the time you get, I'll say like the one countrywide out excluding the very North, you know, excluding the very North where they're still on beds, June is a, phenomenal month to be getting offshore. Like May's kind of that in-between month where we're just getting out of that where you can kind of get them doing everything. Like some guys have been catching them deep for a couple weeks already in some places. But like June, June 1st hits and it's like, okay, if you wanted to start throwing all your eggs in one basket and going offshore and you're south of the Mason Dixon line, you can you can pretty much bet when June hits that it's a great month and it's early. Like you start I'm excited to go to Chickamauga next week on the Tennessee river because it's a heavily pressured fishery. I mean, the pressure is a nightmare. And you get into like July and August and those fish are out there, but we've talked about it a million times. They're wearing helmets and they've got, they're wearing mouth guards and, and their pierces. faces shut. Oh yeah, dude. It's just brutal how hard they've been hit. But June, they're just kind of getting out there and uh, they're just starting to feed up after the spawn. And it's a, it's a great month of fish deep.
2: Yeah. Another another little point about Roosevelt. Um uh my son Boyd and his buddy Clay Randall fished a tournament up there a couple of weeks ago, maybe a week when it, what was that, a week ago? It Whatever. Was last it was. week, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um their intention was to go up there and throw top water all day, which not bad, right? But he gets home, he's like, Dad, I I think the tournament was one out deep. And he was right. It was one in those mid depths with, you know, I think a few guys caught some big ones on top water, but, and they had a great day. They caught like 40 fish, but when it comes to the tournament, it just you five know, biggest, right? Yeah. And the guys that are ahead, ahead of that curve, ahead of the, where those fish, you know, are going, end up winning the tournament. So. Yeah.
0: There's no better time of year than early summer, late post spawn to throw Carolina rig. I love I Carolina rig this time of year. And I'm, I'm sure it was a monster factor in that tournament.
2: Yep, I guarantee it was.
1: Is it a rabbit hole to go down that for a little while? I kind of almost forgot the specifics of his question, but Carolina rigging kind of dovetails into that out deep stuff. Do you want to break down how you guys like to do that? Because I don't consider myself extremely confident in the old Carolina rig.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, we, we love doing it, man. And, and uh, you know, we've talked about it a little bit on the show, but like a post bond Carolina rig in particular, you know. Leader
1: length, stuff yeah, like that.
0: It's, typically, it's, it's one of those times a year where, those fish they are getting off of that spawn and it's just a lazy presentation that looks natural in the water and dude i mean you just catch a big old monster post spawn fish on it you know it, it, you're you're gonna cater your rig to where you're fishing you know and typically like clear water i like a longer leader dirtier water i like a shorter leader if you're around a lot of grass and brush, you can go a little bit longer leader. If it's just all rock, I like a, I like a shorter leader and I'm a big kind of, I'm a lizard and and power hog guy in the this time of year. How about you, Rob? Yeah. I like a six
2: inch lizard. I like, um, I actually like the, the chigger craw. I don't know why I'm addicted nice. to it. I don't know why I, I love that chigger craw for a lot of different things, but for some reason it's been a really good Carolina rig bait. Um, these last couple of years for me in a green pumpkin. I mean, I'm I'm as basic as it gets um, with a Carolina rig. I use twenty pound floor, fluorocarbon uh, main line, main, main line, okay, three quarter or one ounce weight, a swivel, okay, um, and usually a you know twelve to fifteen pound fluorocarbon leader, uh, three odd extra wide gap gamma got to light wire with a six inch lizard. You can't go wrong, okay. Um, I've went as big as like uh, the big brush hog, um, in a, in a five odd or four odd or five odd extra wide gap. But I don't, I'm like Josh. I mean, it just, it's such a lazy, like the fish feel no resistance when they grab it, um, type of deal. I mean, I think the biggest problem with a Carolina rig, you know, not only this time of year, but any time of year is, um, they have a tendency to swallow the bait. So, Gut hooking. Yeah, yeah, they just there. it tells you you're doing the right thing when they put it in their gullet, you know. Yeah.
0: The bite's subtle, right? Yeah. And uh yep. yeah, they just they can inhale that thing and a lot of times they bite it and don't feel that weight because it's sliding. So sliding, they suck yep. it right in, right? Yep. Go ahead, Nick. What's a what's a long leader and what's a short leader? Yeah, good question, man. So like long leader, I'd say is like up to up to four maybe five feet i mean you go longer than that it's extremely That's hard to cast and <laughs> yeah. i I've, I've gone as short as like a foot and a half liter before okay you know in dirty water around rock but you know okay. if you're not sure just go somewhere in between but um you'll see you know like if you go much lighter than a half ounce on the weight it does get even a half ounce is not the easiest thing to cast yeah three quarter ounce is a sweet spot for me okay. um but yeah like rob said a lot of guys will use one ounce And uh, you're just completely matching it to the conditions you're fishing, just like any Texas rig or drop shot or whatever. Um, It's just that there's no better season to throw that thing right now, in in my eyes. Do you
1: like beads?
0: Do you throw beads? I do. So yeah, you know, honestly, if um, glass, a lot of folks use glass and glass is great if you're using a brass weight or a lead weight. And if you use a couple beads, it's even better because it clicks and makes more noise. But if you're using a heavy tungsten weight, you really should steer clear of glass because it'll break that glass and cut your line. And I've had that happen several times before. So now I use metal beads. Wow. You can buy tungsten beads just on any, any okay. tackle store online. And uh, that's a nice uh, way to pair a tungsten
1: weight if you're using tungsten. Tight. Do they
2: have financing for those? <laughs> it's
0: hilarious.
2: Dude, this Dude day, I mean... Maybe hell yeah
1: they do don't you always see affinity you could buy a t-shirt on amazon and it's like from payments as low as $0. seven cents a month
2: dude i saw i saw a uh a rod and reel company that's offering a payment program
1: that's wow. when you know the good times are here baby yeah so yeah it's scary to it flash is scary forward
0: 10 years and see what things are going to look like when people are financing rods and reels you dude only live shows, once bro
2: dude shows up with 12 new rod and reel rigs like <laughs> tournament ready and he's got his monthly payment of 250 bucks <laughs>
1: hey bro it's called financing your lifestyle in my industry it's a good thing wow it's america
0: america
1: but yeah wow. um
0: thanks uh thanks again to uh great to listener for that question man that was great yep one other topic i wanted to touch today was night fishing because we're we're just about to get into night fishing season summertime and we've all night fished quite a bit you know for our own reasons we don't do it as much as we used to not because we would love to we just we're lazy we're winning Rob's rob's super old Yeah, uh, <laughs> Nick oh. and I have kids so rob can't stay up that late and rob Nick needs- and I we have excuses of our wives and kids and why we can't night fish like rob movies. needs
1: narcotics to stay awake that late oh god we we have families and angry spouses but uh we we all love night fishing we've
0: got we've got a lot of stories from from doing it in the past but like what okay uh I'm sorry to Bernie there, Rob. But what is your what's your favorite thing or what was Never your favorite apologize thing about night fishing, man?
2: Uh favorite way to fish is that what you're uh, saying? Like
0: what was just what was your favorite part of night fishing? Like what did you love about it?
2: I, I just I mean we're in Arizona, so the sun was not in the sky was probably one of the my favorite things. <laughs> it's I mean, only
1: a hundred and two. <laughs> yeah, and but it,
2: I mean you it could be you know hundred and ten out when you start the tournament. Uh, a night turn at six you know six o'clock in the evening and uh, the next morning you're digging for a sweatshirt because you're chilly you know yeah but i think my favorite thing was the just the i mean you'd get in you'd get in some bites like to where it was so um such a timing thing like you just we would get on these banks because one it's night you're not running around the lake um because it's dangerous so you would get in an area and we would just fish up and down these let's take for instance like a, a steep sheer bluff at apache lake we would just fish up and down up and down and you'd have like a pass and a half where you know the bite was so f- on because you'd catch all your fish in an hour and a half uh. and you know quite often we would flip and pitch um a heavyweight, like a power craw was the deal back then. I don't even mean, think they make Old them anymore. Old school, yeah, man. Black and blue power craw. And you're flipping them with glow line, like 20-pound uh, photochromatic line with that black light. And your line would jump and you'd set the... Just think, I mean, you're flipping. You have short line. It's night. You can't see anything. And you set the hook on an eight-pounder. like. It did it, it was get just, any more exciting? It was incredible. I yeah. mean, we had... We had six fish for thirty-four pounds one night, huh. and we had a two-pounder in the bunch. <laughs>
0: so but I remember like catching, God, dude!
2: I remember nights mouth. where you would catch like uh, you'd you'd boat flip like a four-pound smallmouth, and think about a smallmouth that doesn't get a chance to fight. Like he is in the bottom of the boat just killing himself. It's like having a tuna in the bottom of a saltwater <laughs> boat, <you laughs> know?
0: And, and it's dark
2: dark yeah so i i was okay at night fishing my buddy brad was a master he's actually your neighbor josh he, that guy like he's just he was a night fishing fool probably still is I he mean, just it, had he,
0: had senses for it huh i
2: guess or just we were just simple enough that it worked out but it yeah it was a lot of fun dude we would we would do that all night and then like first thing in the morning because a lot of times we'd fish till six so you got like an hour of daylight and we'd go throw top water on a grass bed or, you know, on walls and stuff. And just, it was just a blast. So yeah. much
0: fun. So That's fun. That the is.
2: worst part is that feeling, dude. You like lose like three days after that because you're up all night and your competitiveness can't let you sleep. I mean, you can't sleep. You yeah. just, you got to fish all night, no matter how down and out you are and tired. But we'd eat, uh, we'd get a 12 pack of uh, Taco Bell crunchy tacos. And by the midnight, they're soft tacos. <laughs> And Mountain Dew. Think about that feeling.
0: That's great. Our, yeah. Dude, our thing was fried chicken.
2: Ah, that's a good we just call. we fried chicken all night and yeah. pizza.
0: When you go to Alex, Alex would bring a pizza. And, and nice. you have that's pizza a good all night. call. But all three of those are super healthy and uh,
2: oh, just great for you. But,
0: but amazing. Just amazing yeah. to be. Think about just how awesome that night sounds now. Just going down, flipping, flipping a wall all night with glow in the dark line, eating tacos or fried chicken all night
2: god
1: what you I'll, feel like i'll sign next that week. up for that
0: how about you nick what do you like most about fishing at night
1: yeah i don't have any extreme stories like rob man now it's my turn to be well the just, guy. what do you like it, about it dude because you Gerald guys Swindell. fished a
0: bunch man
1: yeah well just because rob has that sweet story i'd never heard the 32 pounds with a two pounder that's 34 pretty... 34 get it right nick don't Pretty good me. for you, Rob. I don't know. I, I remember my first 34-pound bag. Um, <laughs> I I love uh, – I just love because it feels like anytime it's about to just get, like, real. Like you said, you catch all your fish in an hour. You find that weird window where, like, the moon comes up over the horizon. Or I did a lot of it in Soron Canyon, so, like, the current would turn on. And Yo, it was yes. just like, oh, s-h-i-t it's about to get real in here and and like every time you set the hook you just feel like it's going to be like a a 16 like something about like having no sensory perception at night just feeling like it's going to be like that that river monster guy type of an experience like you're just going to catch like a man eater and it's awesome
2: think about i got one other point i gotta make that's hilarious because like when you're fishing during the day i don't think i've ever been fighting a fish and have it jump on the other side of the boat
0: oh yeah at I night, dude. To say the same thing, dude. It's
2: got to happen every time you go night fishing, and it's like a four pounder jumping on the other side of the boat because you have no idea where he's at. You he don't know that's where
0: Part of the fun, is. yeah. Like right. just that—that that little bit less control that you have of everything adds to the excitement, right? Like just yep. oh. semi out of control is is fun once
1: in a while, dude. Once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so good. I remember I used to do a lot of night fishing alone, and. uh, Rob was a jerk and would always talk about trying to sneak up behind me in a different boat to scare me. And it would have been easy because I'm already a chicken. And there were so many times where I'd be like one of the, like usually like the only truck and trailer, because I didn't fish tournaments. So I'd just be like a Tuesday night in the middle of nowhere. And I would be like, I would launch my boat at like, I did a weird shift. I'd do like 11 or midnight to first light so that I could sleep for two hours leading into it. And I'd like get to the the parking lot and there'd be like a meth addict going through the dumpster looking for like, who knows, like glass to deposit. And I would like run down the dock to my boat if it was still there Uh after parking my truck and I would book it. And then I'd always feel like that guy's probably going to turn into like a skinwalker and like float out to wherever I was fishing (laughs) and like come up behind me with a knife. So I was always on super edge, but that just made it more fun. Because like you're saying, you don't have control of anything. I was like, it's a great way to die. I'll uh
0: I'll never forget I was at Lake Pleasant with my buddy Mark you guys know Mark and uh I might have even told this on the podcast talking about night fishing before but Mark could get you riled up over anything he's like the most convincing person in the world he's 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 of course he works in sales and he's amazing at it but um a lot of times he'd be, he wouldn't be trying to mess with you. Like he would just think something and make, <laughs> make you think the same thing. Like, <laughs> so anyways, we're fishing and uh, we're at Pleasant and we're up in the river and the sun or the moon is just starting to come up. So you're starting to get a couple shadows. Right. And, uh, we're doing the same thing. We're kind of flipping the bank. We're not far off the bank. And dude, we're in the middle of nowhere. Like there's nobody around us on the water and there's nobody that should be able to get to us by shore. Like, I mean, we're in the middle of nowhere, the middle (laughs) of the mountains. And he goes, dude, he starts whispering, dude, there's a guy right there. No. (laughs) And I was like, what? (laughs) He's like,
2: There's a guy on the bank
0: right there, dude. He's staring at us. And I'm like, my heart is just like pounding, <laughs> about to come out of my chest. I'm like, oh my God, I see him. So I dude, where I'm like freaking out. And I'm like, what? just keep going, keep going. I'm like, dude, get on the motor. Go, go, go. So we're like freaking out. And finally, dude, I take, I I, I can't take it anymore. So I go down and get the spotlight and shine it. And it's a freaking cactus, man. <laughs> oh, that's
1: awesome.
0: <laughs> I was so scared.
1: Like, like dude, for like a guy an to be out Greedo there that, with cactus arms.
0: Yeah, I mean, it it didn't even look like a person, but he had me so freaking, and he he thought it was a person, too. He wasn't just messing with me, but yeah, uh, and there's no better time to, like, to catch a big fish in the summertime, too. Like, if you can time it right and and hit those full moons, and um, those big fish, especially on clear water Lakes, really let their guard down at night, so I don't know. Like, it's not something that I do all summer long or I want to do all summer long. I still enjoy fishing during the day maybe even more as a whole but man what a fun change of pace and a lot of times if you like fishing tournaments you know in certain parts of the country most of the tournaments are at night in the summertime um and what the other thing i like about it is you can really simplify your approach you can dumb it down more so than you do during the day you can catch fish on a lot of stuff at night but dude i can i i don't remember ever fishing a night tournament or, or just going fishing at night where I planned on doing more than two or three different things. You know, you have two or three rods rigged up and you're covered for the whole night.
2: Yeah, I agree. Definitely. And,
0: and, and a lot of times for me, it was like the same stuff that, that worked during the day. But I, if, if I had three things to do at night, it would be a, a big Texas rigged worm, a crankbait and a, a small worm, like a drop shot worm. Do you guys, did you guys ever really do anything else?
2: Yeah one of our biggest night fishing, um, things was a Westy worm, That's right. which so black and yellow Westy worm. And you just, you know, throw it obviously on a spinning rod and float it down those steep banks or yeah. You know, Roosevelt, you could fish it offshore a little bit at night, but that was, I mean, that Westy worms probably caught more night fish in arizona than you could ever imagine you know at least 20 years ago
1: so refresh my memory that's almost kind of like a robo worm with multiple hooks that had a slow fall is that what it was so it's
2: it's a it's got a i think it's a 3 sixteenths little cheesy gold aberdeen hook jig head with like 20 pound line to another little cheesy gold aberdeen hook um, but the worm was a super floater. So it had like air injected into it or whatever. Um, and it was just the ultimate subtle finesse type deal. Like John Murray made a career out of throwing a Westie worm. And I mean, it was, it was a great, this time of year is when you throw it, I mean, you get out offshore and, and nowadays everybody's throwing a drop shot, but you'd cast that thing out and you could catch suspended fish as it's dropping um, you drag it around on the bottom and you get the most subtle, like non bite pressure bite. And you're like, Oh yeah, that's a fish. And you're real into it. And it's a fish. I mean, it just, yeah. it's, um, that I don't know, kind of talking about it right now brings back memories of, you know, late May, June, Roosevelt Lake, red West, six inch red westy, hot, nasty weather paper graphs.
0: <laughs> yeah. You weren't using livescope back then?
2: No, no. My life scope was broke then. I don't know. It just didn't work very good. But.
1: Well, they didn't offer payments and that was before Rob had made the big time. So he couldn't afford it. Yeah.
2: I couldn't afford the, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, damn. but no, that's, that's cool.
0: Yeah. Hopefully we can get, get a little bit of it in this summer. I was big on blacklight, and I
1: still am. Are you guys black lighters? Nick, you don't really use a light at all. Do you? well I, I i cringe with a black light in the bedroom so i try to keep them out of my boat but uh Smart. i always i always liked going uh yeah i don't know i i see all the advantage of advantages of using a black light and i guess that's why i didn't use them because i just sucked and wanted a better excuse for sucking but
2: that's a question josh i see a lot of folks ask um and i i i want the answer too is what if you're using a black light what line are you using nowadays because you know, back then everything was mono. So you had your night glow line, your fluorescent line. um, And now they don't make fluorescent fluorocarbon, do they?
0: Not to my knowledge. There may be a couple like uh, of the more, I don't know, dude. I don't know the word. I guess uh, boutique fluorocarbon type things that make a real specialty line like that, but not any of the major lines that you see guys using. Um, so yeah, I mean, in that situation, dude, I probably still would, to me, it's such a big deal, such a big deal to be able to see your line. I would still be using a fluorescent mono or copolymer Yeah. Yeah. just so I could see the line, even if if I'm flipping or something like that, because that's what I did forever on a, one interesting thing on spinning rods is, uh, you guys know I'm a big fan of nanofill and they make a high vis glow yellow nanofill. So you can at least have that on your spinning rod. Have your 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 braided super line, but uh, yeah, if you, you, you know you use a black light, not just any line's going to show up. It's got to be a high vis uh, uh, line, I guess. Like what? What did you call it, Rob? A nano what? <laughs> uh, it was f- mono what? It was photochromatic, right? Photochrom-
2: <laughs> it was a Berkeley line that that's what they called it, photochromatic, or it was. Um, um you know just the high vis um yeah. fluorescent fluorescent line is what it was i think but
0: if you're a dummy like me guys and you're in the tackle shop you can pretty much just look at this look at these lines and if it's that, that like fluorescent blue it's going to glow under a black light i yeah. mean literally yeah. the color of the cheap stuff that comes on a on a 30 dollar rod and reel combo that is the that's what you want and uh you know if, if anyone knows of a fluorocarbon that does glow in the dark yeah uh, please write us in we'll uh, shout it out in the next episode but um, here's
2: here's but, the other problem though i mean back when i was fishing everything was mono and you had no problem stripping off your your daytime line to throw on some night glow line. Cents yeah. line yeah i mean we change line every day we fish so it was no big deal um nowadays with fluorocarbon people just don't change your line the amount of line you use nowadays is way less because you're you know it lasts a lot longer so That's good
1: point funny you say that because i was already thinking it's like i'm definitely going to make an effort to go night fishing at least once or twice on big moons this summer and as you can i'll use one of my reels that has braid on it so i can unspool the braid onto something else put on yep. some crappy mono like you're talking about and then just put the braid back on <laughs> it's a yeah good i mean
2: they, you gotta either have separate reels for your night fishing or yeah or it's have true. a plan like that so
1: well, if Josh would hurry up and get us a reel sponsor, so I could have that many extra reels, that'd be great. <laughs> it's hilarious. That is cool. That's
0: those are those are good points, guys. But yeah, it, it, people people can fish without it. But I'll tell you why I like having a black light in high vis line. It, a lot of it, obviously, is to see the bite. But to me, even more so than that, is to know when your line is on the bottom. Like so often, you're fishing steeper structure and steeper cover that time of year. Or when you're night fishing, and if you can't see if you can't see your line, man, so often your your bait's falling on a tight line and it's penduluming and not getting to the bottom as soon as it could be. So I think you get a lot more bites by being able to see your line and knowing, okay, I need to give it a, open my bail, I need to give it some slack. Okay, that looks like a bite. Set the hook.
1: Um, Another thing see in your man. line helps when you're hooked up. We joked about a fish jumping on the wrong side of the boat. You're thinking you've got, you know, good positioning and you're not even in like the same universe. little tip we used
2: to do, we'd take a flashlight and tape it to the net handle. So it would, you know, as the guy, we'd put it like halfway down so you can put your hands on both sides of it, but it would flat, you know, shine down into the water as you're netting
0: the fish. That's brilliant. Brilliant. Yep. Yep. And always wearing a headlight, too. I mean, you yeah. you got a headlight on that you can flip on and off to tie knots and stuff. But same thing. As soon as you set the hook, you flip that headlight on. And, you know, you both got headlights. And, and, and your deal, Rob, on the net, that's awesome, dude. You got a great chance to get that fish.
1: You yeah. know, another thing, too, that I, for whatever, would pop in my head and I went and found, dude, I would wear clear glasses. Because I always had a fear of getting a facial. That's a great night. call like yep. dude you, i again i think your spidey senses are tingling so i would set the hook on lots of non bites as i you oh, know yeah. I thinking i was about to catch a, a, a teener <laughs> it's like i'm gonna take a facial brilliant dude
0: how many times i've done it where i've set the hook at night and my bait wasn't even in the water dude <laughs> Dude, <laughs> yes. was in a, it was in a bush or something i'm sitting there yep. fishing it like i think it's in the water <laughs> And you shed the hook, and pew, it flies right by
1: you. Dude, I seriously have done that, yeah, many times. Thinking you're getting a bite, and then I'll hear like a splash, and I'll be like, "Oh, yeah, it was <laughs> never even in the water." <laughs> it was probably a raccoon, at least you know. Probably was yeah, like you know, it was something actually biting it. <laughs> Field mouse. That's a great call, Nick. Not, not.
0: I think everyone thinks that's a good idea, but very few actually do that. So, props yeah. to you for actually doing that I, I need to do the same myself safety first when
1: making bad decisions <laughs> yeah
0: you're going out night fishing by yourself at least you're you're gonna keep your vision I Anyways. might get
1: kidnapped and or raped but I will have eye protection on during the process
0: night fishing by yourself is a sketchy proposition that's for sure
1: dude I did it in a kayak once and I remember telling that to Rob this was back when Rob and I were making high quality custom fishing rods together. And Rob did most of the work and I just bought lunch and told stories. And I remember telling him about it. And he, he just made the face that he did right there. He looked off camera and shook his head. He was like, I don't like you that much. But I like you enough to know that that's really stupid. And you're not going to live very long doing that. Yeah, I remember crossing Canyon, I went <sighs> from the ramp, no lights. The Canyon, and one where you, uh, you it was a Hobie. So you had like the leg action. And dude, I remember getting like two thirds of the way across and feeling like Lance Armstrong with like bulging quads and just like gasping for air and not even being like (laughs) anywhere near where I wanted to be. I don't think Lance has ever
2: gasped for air. This is a lot
0: harder. Yeah.
1: Dude, like this is a bad choice.
0: (laughs) Gosh, man. Yeah. It's it's a dangerous thing if you're not prepared. and, And I almost hit. I almost hit a Nick one time, dude, it was a John boat, but they had no lights on and and I was running on pad and almost hit them with my boat. So, you know, you you need a good spotlight and and you need two of everything. You need two spotlights because if your one spotlight goes down, I mean, dude, you can't be screwed out there without a light. So, uh, you've got to be prepared if you're going to do it, but the payoff can be huge and it's just a fun change of pace, man. Just talking about it it's not, it's not in the cards in the next month for me. I've got a crazy month ahead, but maybe in June or August, I
1: can sneak out with you for a night or two. Cause that would be a blast. Be fun to line it up on a good moon. So you make it count. Yeah.
2: Totally. People just, people need to remember full throttles, not made for nighttime. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. 40 miles an hour tops. I and mean, you drive tops. how you want folks. We're not telling you how to drive, but like when, when you do, when you hear 6,000 RPMs, on, oh. on a bass boat at night and you're sitting there fishing you're just cringing it's cringe there's no time to react whether you might have the your trail laid down the middle of the night a lake on your gps but that's but not accounting for the dude that just doesn't know any Nick's better out
1: there in his kayak yeah yeah being an idiot
2: or paddle boarders they like to get in the middle of the lake
1: sure yeah it's dude just, they don't know
2: yeah yeah
1: you know, there's just something like I remember, we'll move on. I think this is about over. But one thing too, that always just was like captivating about night fishing to me was that once your eyes adjusted, and then the moon would come up like on a good moon, it was so bright, like not bright enough to go 60. But I just remember being like, this is crazy. I'm like 90% nocturnal. Now I feel like an owl and I have the same predatory abilities. It's, It's crazy how you can adjust and then that moon feels so bright. It's crazy it's awesome and the fish are and the fish are biting too yeah. yeah perfect scenario
0: i can i can remember some nights on roosevelt like that when it was clear you know and it's just there's you're so far from the city lights that the moon is just yeah. even that much brighter you know yeah. and, and there's you don't have the cliffs and canyons that you have in some of the other lakes around town yeah it's i'm blown away like at some of these lakes that people still like people uh still night fish lake fork which blows my mind with the amount of timber and stuff. Like, I don't oh. know if folks just idle at night, but uh, folks night fish around the country. And like, I'm just blown away that they can navigate some of these bodies of water.
1: In Dude, the gar- I would think they delta. No, oh, like a 12 foot alligator crawling up the back of my boat, just going to like nibble on my ankle. Yeah, it would nibble, I'm sure. Uh,
0: but yeah, I think that's about all I've got, guys. We're a little over an hour in. And, um, We've all got kind of crazy weeks ahead. We are going to do our very best to uh, get back at you next week. Um, You know, if we don't, we will the following. But uh, so coming up, guys, uh, I've got – I'm going to fly to Chattanooga tomorrow. Nick and I have a wedding to go to tonight. Uh,
1: We're not getting uh, married together, though.
0: Nope, nope, not not this time. Um, Fly to Chattanooga tomorrow. Fish the tournament at Lake Chickamauga rush and drive to upstate New York leave my rig up there fly from Syracuse to Dallas work the Classic Expo for three days fly home for a few days fly back to upstate New York fish the St. Lawrence River find a way to get my rig down to Florida Fly home that, for a few
2: days. What does that mean? Find a way to get
1: your rig down.
0: There? Like either drive it myself or, or like, like I'm going to have to drive it myself to somewhere. I just don't know if I'm going to drive it Hire all the way Uber. to Florida at that point. What's that, Nick?
1: Hire an Uber. Yeah, I there you drive. go.
0: Get my rig down to Florida. Fly from Florida to home. Fly back to Florida. Work a writer's conference. Work ICAST. <laughs> get my rig back to upstate New York. Again, fish Champlain. Fish Champlain. And then I have three weeks off. Wow! When are those three weeks? Is that the first weeks of July? It's in July, like really? late July. Yeah, this all this is over the next month. <laughs> wow!
2: That's I'm dreading
1: it, dude. That's amazing. So you're gonna do you're gonna do Tennessee to New York, New York to Florida, Florida to New York with the rig, yeah, yeah. And I've got to go to Dallas and home a
0: couple times in between. Nice the
2: positive is you're going to be on the St. Lawrence and then you're going to be on Champlain.
0: Oh, dude. And that's the, dude, that's the uh, bright side for sure. Like the fishing is yeah. going to be amazing. It's just a bunch of travel in between. That's
2: amazing. But, you have to have your boat down in Florida for the writer's conference. Obviously that's why yeah. you got to get it down. Yeah. That's a if bummer. If we've got a listener
0: that's got a nice boat that wants to let me use it in Florida, let me know. That'd be amazing. But uh, I, I plan on having to bring it. Yeah.
1: 14 foot John boat with a 25 Merc on it is qualifies. When I say nice, yeah, just as long as it floats. <laughs> a Hobie kayak that Nick crashed. <laughs> you have a floating boat. <laughs> right on. Well, good luck with that, homie. That's
0: yeah, good uh, luck. Intense.
2: Look forward to watching it.
0: Thanks. And, yeah, Nick, hope your trip goes uh, well to Mexico. And, Rob, I'm sure I'll talk to you this week. But thanks to you yep. guys, as always, for jumping on. And thanks to the listeners. And, hey, I wanted to ask one more thing uh, from the listeners. If you guys have – we're thinking about doing another uh, run of, a, of some type of apparel, hats, stickers – some type of shirt. If you guys have like something that you would like more than another, we're not going to do it all. So if, if, if we get a bunch of guys that say, ah, just stickers would be cool or sun shirts would be cool. Hats would be cool. Just let us know. And, uh, we'd love to do it. We'd love to make some more stuff. We're just not quite sure what we want to, uh, invest in right now. So just let us know what you guys think. And- I think that's it. Happy Memorial Day again. Hope you guys get on the water this week. And as always, thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week.